0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green, and joining me on the other end, as he does every week over in Germany, is David Hein. Dave, Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, Happy to uh, see the Basketball Champions League return. Fighting off a little bit of a cold right now, but uh, after two weeks of uh, Christmas and New Year's, uh, really happy to to get the games starting back up on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a short podcast this week since we don't have any games to analyze, but we do have a conversation with Deacon Lloyd-Smith, the great writer from Champions League.basketball. That's coming up here in a second. At the end of the Deacon interview, Dave and I will preview game day 10. Should be an awesome round with a bunch of great matchups. Uh, so stick around for that at the end of our conversation with Deacon, and let's jump straight in. <laughs>
1: So on the show this week, we have Deacon Lloyd-Smith, uh, a writer with the Basketball Champions League, uh, writes the Closer Look in the Insider Series column. Uh, Deacon, thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me on, Dave. It's, um, it's a pleasure to, to chat with you guys. I've been following the um the podcast and really enjoying it.
1: It's a uh, fun to. It's a fun. It's a fun uh, podcast to have and uh, enjoy. Enjoy being able to talk to, let's say, the people behind the scenes, and, and that's kind of what the idea is here to uh, get to talk to someone who's who's you know has been around basically more or less from the beginning. Right, uh, Deacon's been writing since the first season. Um, so I guess one of the one of the ways that we introduce people is is just for them to kind of introduce themselves. Um. So you're, you're from, you're from the Southeast of England um, and uh, have been basketball, doing basketball, coaching basketball. Maybe just how did you find basketball? How did you fall in love with, uh, with the game?
2: Um, I think at around the age of 12, I think I moved to secondary school and the, the school I moved to for some reason that the kids only played basketball there. They, you know, I obviously just played football being from England before that. Um, and rugby a little, um, and then I, I moved to school. Everybody just played basketball, and I fell in love with the game then, and and just played the game and watched the game since then. And I think through a variety of work commitments, I kind of left playing, finishing, feeling like I had unfinished business, and made the decision that I wanted to get into coaching. So um, fairly, you know, fairly early in in life, I started coaching. I'd always been interested in coaching and then um ended up doing a master's degree in something very specific which was european basketball coaching science which was split between the university of worcester and the lithuanian sports university and got really exposed to european basketball and fell in love again so i've been coaching for a while and then that's that's kind of my story
0: yeah, and you do a you do a really good job with the closer looks, and then the insider columns. Um, I was just wondering what kind of what are you trying to accomplish with those columns? Like, you know, you know, what's the point of like the closer look series? So
2: the closer look series has always been
0: about um,
2: kind of a shared fascination with with looking at the game slightly closer or slightly um, in more detail. So it, they started out as. As data and data analysis with video for con- for context, so looking um, into how the teams were playing a little deeper, um, and then looking at the the, the data behind the, the numbers they were producing, and then um, through working with the Champions League a bit further, you know the opportunity to to actually speak to the coaches themselves and try and understand their thoughts, and then relate that to back to video for context and 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 go from there, and just try and tell the story little deeper i think i'm i'm very lucky that i'm fascinated by the game and there are enough people that are as fascinated that would like to read that kind of content
0: yeah cool and and earlier this season um i really enjoyed the article you wrote about virtus bologna and you were like a little a little bit prophetic in that you know i don't know if you would have expected them to start the season seven and oh but you talked in depth about why they were dangerous um and i was just wondering you know what what did you see in bologna uh, first of all, that interested you, that, that made you want to write about them in the first place? And then, um, you know, what what did you see in them that you you thought they might be really dangerous? Well, I mean, the thing with Bologna,
2: which is the case with all of the clubs that we have, is that the club is the story, and um, Bologna in itself obviously has enough incredible stories that, that that piques your interest as soon as you see that name, Virtues Bologna, Bologna. So... Um, to begin with that was there but then to me as soon as i look at the roster it caught my interest straight away because of the the players you know Amath and mathanby and cornu and and craveidge players that that look set to um to make jumps all, all of them the the, the 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 roster to me made sense in terms of the balance of players and the players all looked like they were at a stage in their career that they could they could make that jump and obviously kevin punter last year was last year and probably maybe so far has been the best scorer we've seen in the basketball championship uh
1: you you also wrote about anvil sort of kind of highlighting their underdog status um maybe maybe talk about what you think they're doing that really kind of allows them to compete with some of the you know teams with probably bigger budgets um and then also you know, if you think they can make the playoffs, you know, obviously they're, they've been playing without Camille Lachinski now since the end of November. Uh, obviously, he's been such a huge part of 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 their, uh, you know, running the offense and everything like that. Um, maybe just talk about uh, about Andel.
2: Well, I mean, similar to Bologna, with Coach Sacripanti, uh, Coach Milicic was very open with the with with the interview. So when they when coaches really tell you what they're thinking and tell you what's going on, it really helps you to understand. How, how the teams are achieving what they are and i think with with anvil they, they you know they know they don't have the budget of some of the the bigger hitters so they they have to be a bit more creative again with the way they recruit and specifically anvil with the way they play so you know one of the things that's to me super interesting about european basketball is how much say the the head coach has in recruitment and um how they get to put together a roster to play the way they want to play and they've certainly done that at anvil and they've got you know they've managed to keep guys like Lachinsky around the team for for four years now. So, you know when you can have a coach and his mind on the floor through his point guard for four years, it gives you a chance to 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 compete. I think Lechinski being missing has been huge for them. I don't know if he's returning soon, but definitely a team that looks like they could sneak through the playoffs. That I mean, Group A is it looks like it's um, sort of four from six right now. So it's it's a it's definitely not a a group that's tied up.
0: Yeah, and, and another one of the articles that you wrote this season that I really enjoyed was the insider look at the the life of an assistant coach in the BCL. And you chose to highlight Ryan Panone from Hapoel Jerusalem. Um, I was I was just wondering why did why did you want to write about the assistant coaching side of the game, and then uh, was there any specific reason why you chose Ryan?
2: Well, I think that. Um, the, the plan with the insiders has always been to, similar to the podcast, is to, to lift the lid and find the behind-the-scenes stories and what's going on inside the, the competition. And it's, it's a real privilege that we get to do what we do. Um, and I think specifically assistant coaches is one of the least heralded jobs, I guess, in the Basketball Champions League and maybe one of the hardest-working jobs. I and mean, if you look at the... When I've spoken to... Um, Luca Bassin, who was with Slovenia with with um, Olympia last year, and and Ryan this year. You look at the schedules; these guys are working, and it's it's outside the norm for almost any industry in the world. The, the kind of hours they're putting in, and it's and we get to enjoy the product on the other end of it. So I thought that's um to me that was interesting, and fortunately enough, it was interesting enough to other people to want to read it. And I guess and I guess with Ryan too, um, he's somebody who's Always willing to share what he's doing and share the game himself. If you follow him on social media, he's always um, sharing his his thoughts and plays and tactics with with people there. So, and he's very open about what he does. So, it was a win win for me on that story.
0: Was there anything about that article uh, was it Was there anything about that that surprised you? Like just like reading some of the hours that they work and everything. It was it was just like mind boggling to imagine being in that position. The same. I'm, I'm, I'm also with you on that. You know, I think
2: we've all been in situations where we've had to work hard, but some of those hours and some of those schedules are. Uh, it really opened my eyes to what what their um their working world is like, and and I think with also with Ryan too is is he um opened his practices to us. So you know, fortunately for the story, Jerusalem have been fantastic in a lot of areas, but specifically rebounding in. Through the process of talking to Ryan about what he's done, that story began to unfold even more. we'd already always planned to speak about rebounding and specifically with um josh Owens but um i don't think i've seen a coach been willing to show us what they're doing by video in season before like that so it was a real privilege
1: yeah, that was really cool. The videos you know it's one thing to read things and then but to have like video confirmation or video description explanation is just. Uh, such an added bonus. Um, you, you you mentioned behind the scenes, and and you know, as someone who's who's you know basically been there, you know, basically since the first season, uh, and has written about the the league. Maybe just your thoughts about the development of the league, um, the growth, the let's call maturity uh, in general. Maybe just you know, take us back memory lane uh, from the beginning where you got uh, sort of involved and in, and in, and were watching it more uh to where we're at now uh in the basically the middle of, of this season?
2: Well the first season I, I remember it being quite wild. You know, I remember uh you know no one's everyone's kind of figuring out what kind of competition it was going to be and the teams in it um and the way things unfold and obviously you know there was there was a lot of different stories going on around the league and then um then the, the, obviously the Tenerife hosting the final four, no one knew how that was going to go and it ended up being a, a rousing success and Tenerife on the floor, at least, were one of the more interesting stories in, in European basketball that season. And I think um then, again, the second season, the, the competition grew again and the, the final four in Athens was was probably bigger than most of us could have expected again. It was a fantastic event in general. Um. You know, that that final in Athens, sort of twenty thousand people hanging off the, the rafters and a, and a Greek crowd, that's something I'll never forget. So um, and again this year it seems to grow again. It just seems to keep growing kind of exponentially until no one really knows how, how far it can grow. So it's been, it's been a, a roller coaster ride so far.
1: Let's uh, let's move to, to, again, closer to this season. Um, maybe, who, you know, we've talked about a couple of coaches. We've talked to, uh, about a couple of clubs. Um, maybe as a coach, maybe who are you, some of your favorite coaches? You know, who do you see as uh, maybe running the best stuff in your eyes?
2: Well, all of the guys I've spoken to so far and all the guys I'm going to speak to. I, I don't really have a favorite, I guess. Yeah, I, I do really enjoy watching Anne Will play, especially because I think... um. I always enjoy the underdogs, um, but at the other end of the spectrum, some of the bigger guns, the Jerusalem's, Ikes, they they're also equally interesting to me. I think it's um, there's there's a lot of very good teams in the competition this year, with some very very good coaches, which is a real blessing.
1: Yeah, lots to learn for coaches as well. Uh, I I would imagine uh, pretty much any you know pan-european competition has has a has a chance for coaches to to learn um let's kind of get to let's call it the, the prediction part of the show um you know we've we've talked a lot uh you know on the podcast and and on the website through through writing and whatnot maybe some final four uh title uh favorites obviously depends on on the draw once the you know playoffs start but you know what what would you see maybe as a as a final 4 and if you want to say final 4 plus 1 whatever uh you know and then uh, maybe a title title favorite
2: um i, I think uh it's title favorites are, are very very difficult to go to look at right now we have you know we have four teams at the top of their group with identical or very similar records I, at the moment, for a final four team, I'm struggling to see past Tenerife. I think the last time Chus was at Tenerife was the first season when they won it, and the kind of numbers that they're they're producing and the way they're playing is very very familiar. And it's it's just a machine the way they, the way he manages to get those teams to play. And I think as a as a coach and a program, he's very at home at, at Tenerife. So they look ready to pick up where he left off. So I, I'm struggling to see past those guys. Um, Jerusalem have looked very strong. Um, obviously, Ike the the champions. And Mercia are, are somehow at the top of their group. And as you guys said last week, they seem to feel like they're under the radar a little. But it's, it's definitely not a team that you can look past. They were in the final four last year and have a lot of the gang back together, a lot of the same players. So they look they look like very dangerous. Yeah.
1: yeah that, it, sorry, go ahead. Keep going.
2: Well, and and you know, to start the season, we saw Bologna, you know, go on longer than anybody else. But they're on a little bit of a slide right now, so they need to they need to pick back up again. It's really hard to pick, actually. I think if I was to, to to nail down four teams, that the other challenge is that three of them look like they might come from one group.
1: Yeah,
2: and that Bamberg have started to find their way a little. So you have Ike, Bamberg and Jerusalem in one group, and the draw would suggest that's not going to be possible to take all four of them to the final four. So,
1: I mean, it really depends everything on on the, the final draw, you know, where, you know, after, after the, the regular season's d- done, you know, who gets to, you know, who gets to play who, and, and if, if a f- you know, fourth seed can surprise a first seed, whatnot. And I think that's, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, you'd be <laughs> surprised if four would come from one group, but I mean, it's definitely not impossible.
2: Yeah, and the other thing about the Basketball Champions League specifically that I really enjoy—I don't know if it's part of being British or European—but I really enjoy an underdog story. I've said that before, but we've had somebody surprise us and make the final four every year. I think the first year it was probably Banvit was the surprise, the surprise team, and then they made it to the final. And last year we had Ludwigsburg make it to the final four. I, for for those of watching, it wasn't a surprise, but it was certainly an achievement for the club and. It it would almost be more of a surprise if it was all of the easy picks to make the final four again. You would imagine somebody will make it that we're not expecting.
1: Well, who do you see that as? Is there anybody um, that that stands out? You know, maybe a maybe a whatever. You know, it's a, a five and four team or even a four and five team that you know just playing really good basketball. And you know, if you, it's a team, you definitely don't want to play.
2: I, I, if I was looking around and I was saying there's a team that could that could be finishing fourth that I didn't want to play, it would probably be Nizhny right now. I think Nizhny, yeah. Novgorodis just, just recently have, have found um, have found they they played good basketball to start the season, but now they're finding ways to win and they're picking up big results, and I, I think that would be a team that I, I would want to avoid.
1: Yeah, it's when one ha- one thing happens that if you you don't have a a lot of uh, you know high level or or leaders and then if one of them goes down like Kendrick Perry did, um, you know when they do right. come back, right. his absence also helps the other guys because they learn to take more responsibility as well. So um, let's let's move to the MVP. Uh, we experts uh, here uh, were were kind of asked to to write about something uh, about one of the uh, who we thought would be the MVP. Uh, You ended up going with uh, Tyrese Rice. Uh, Maybe just your thoughts about um, your reasoning for picking him. um, And then, uh, yeah, just talk about the MVP race. Let's call it that.
2: Sure. I mean, firstly, it always makes me chuckle when when, um, I get uh, the word expert thrown in my direction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I enjoy watching them all play. So I think... Um, I, I, I chose Tyrese Rice because really he's a, he, the guy's a killer. You know, if you watch him, he, he gets this look in his eye late in the game, and it just feels inevitable. That he's going to make some kind of shot and get it done. And I mean, with Bamberg to start the season, they weren't always winning those games, but now that the rest of the team is healthy and they're they're starting to figure out how to help him late in those games and get get it get over the line. They look, they look dangerous, and with that, he's going to be a front runner because, as the season progresses, those big shots, it'll be him taking them, and you'd be surprised more often than not he's going to make them rather than miss them. So, and and truthfully, he has a track record. He's you know obviously been uh, MVP before in, in previous seasons, so he knows how to do it. He's been here before.
1: Yeah, and he's not old. He's not old yet, so you know there's still you know plenty of gas. You know he, you know the 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 health of uh, of Hickman and and Taylor um, to kind of take over a little bit of the scoring that you know he may need he may need to have done before during yeah. the game. Kind of saves that energy, you know, now for the fourth quarter, even even a bit more.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's certainly not old. I think he's thirty one, and I think he spent a season out of Europe, and it's easy to to forget what people are capable of when they're not right in front of your eyes all the time. So he maybe has um some reminding to do as well.
1: For certain. Um, let's, let's kind of finish off with, uh, we had a chance to uh, ask uh, Igor Djurkovic last week, um, you know, with the new year coming, uh, the calendar changing and all that, uh, we, we had our new year's resolutions for uh, some of the BCL teams slash players. I uh, figured uh, give you a chance to see what you came up with, uh, what what the BCL team slash players uh, should uh, do this uh, 2019.
2: So I think um, I've I've enjoyed the the feature on the podcast, and um, I would agree with all of the the teams suggested for all of the reasons so far. To add to that, I only really have three teams, um, so I've got two from the top and one from the bottom. In that, I've got uh, Strasbourg and, and Mercia at the moment. They're two. Um, different playoff contenders and final four contenders, but they both turn the ball over a little bit too much at the minute. You know, they're both turnover percentages around 17%. So if you're turning over 17% of your possessions, you're going to struggle to, to go deep into the playoffs with those kind of numbers. So the two teams probably need to figure that out because that has them both around the bottom three, bottom four. Um, so look after the ball a little better if you're if you're UCAM and, and Strasbourg. And you'd imagine that both teams will. Um and then at the bottom I've got Opava. So I think <laughs> I, I enjoyed your story on Opava and um the the youth development they have there, Dave. I really enjoyed that that piece there. Um and it really it's it's um it's a team that I like to watch play and it's you know is it's interesting that they've done it with with only Czech players. Um but um for as a team, they're shooting twenty nine percent from three and they're taking the most threes in the competition. So they're shooting thirty a game and they're shooting twenty nine percent. So I think they need to start making some shots.
1: Yeah, Opav is uh interesting you know, not only not just because of, of, of everything, you know, Czech and even local players I think they slowly but surely need to really watch out in the Czech league. They're falling further and further down you know the a big a big competition like the champ basketball champions league is um uh, you know it's a big burden on 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 smaller-ish teams uh doing all the travel extra games and everything else like that and uh you know they they reached the final last year lost to you know i guess it's whatever 14 15 years in a row um uh, and um and they're they're feeling it now uh you know add an injury here or or you know they've been um, and it's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, it's, it's always good to see a young club, you know, uh, you know, aspirational club, you know, try to do something, uh, a little more, you know, bigger, but on the other hand, it's also an added, added challenge and, and, and think they're, they're feeling it right now. Um, I think that's probably one team that will probably be happy when the, when the BCL is over. That they can have, uh, you know, just one game a week, and they can just worry about that and try to get their, get their, st- you know, their position in the standings back up uh, a little bit more. Um, all right, uh, maybe maybe just let pe- everybody know, uh, you know, where they can find you on on Twitter and social media, and and uh, and and uh, so they so they know where they can follow you. Um,
2: you can find me on Twitter at DLS Coaching. Um, in my handle, you can find my email address. I'm almost always looking, interested in talking with people about basketball, sharing the game, talking about the game. So, yeah, reach out.
1: All right. So, Deacon uh, Lloyd-Smith, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for writing so many great stories about the, the Basketball Champions League um, and uh, look forward to the next one and, and uh, I look forward to working alongside you the the rest of the season. And uh, again, happy new year.
2: Uh, Happy new year. Austin, Dave, thank you for the podcast as well. And i look forward to catching up with you both in the new year.
0: All right. Thanks again to Deacon Lloyd Smith for coming on the show. Dave, what'd you think about what Deacon had to say?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great to have a guy like Deacon on board um, to to provide these long reads, um, you know, as uh, it, it's enjoyable to, to go in depth. Uh, I know that as a writer myself and, uh, to have a chance to, to read somebody's work and, and, and dealing with, uh, the various aspects of coaching and stuff like that. It's been really, really fun, uh, reading Deacon's work and, uh, yeah, lots of great ones this season. Uh, I really enjoyed that, that rebounding one a lot. And uh, yeah, just uh, was a was was nice having to finally get a chat with with Deacon, and uh, look forward to more of his his great work over the course of the season.
0: Yeah, Deacon's great. I've really enjoyed his articles this season, and we'll definitely have him on the podcast again around playoff time, Final Four time, uh, to get his thoughts as the BCL season progresses. Let's take a quick look ahead to next week, Dave. Uh, it's going to be an amazing game day 10, some really exciting matchups in this one as the BCL returns for the first games of 2019. Which games on Tuesday are you going to be watching?
1: Yeah, I would say actually Tuesday is probably the worst of the two days, but uh you still have some some absolutely fantastic games. Uh probably the biggest one out there, one actually that I will probably be attending have not decided one 100%, but uh Bamberg uh hosting Ike. Uh that's going to be a huge game there in group C. Uh you also have uh, a pretty big one there in group B with with Palk uh hosting Halone, Palk at five, 5 and 4, Halone at 6 and 3. Um, you know, Pauk lost their last game, uh, to, to end their, their winning streak. And, uh, they would love to have their home fans, uh, grab, h- help them, uh, get a victory over Halon, who we've talked about being a really, really dangerous team. Uh, what else do you got?
0: Yeah. Bomberg versus Ike is going to be awesome. I'm really excited for that one. Hopefully you can go see that one in person. Cause that should be great there in freak city and Bomberg, um, I'm also really excited for Anvil versus Avelino. Avelino do not have Norris Cole anymore. The MVP of two of the first three weeks of the season has left the team. That's a huge loss for Avelino. I'm really interested to see how they can recover against a really talented, and uh, as we talked about earlier with Deacon, uh, a really well-coached uh, Anvil team. So I'm excited for that one. Also, the last game of the day, Strasbourg versus Besiktas there in Group D. Uh, that's you know a really tight group. One of the deepest groups overall. Um, so that one's going to be interesting uh, with some, some big time playoff implications in that one. And looking ahead to Wednesday, what do you got for that?
1: Yeah, I think we might know a little bit more about group D after uh, this week's games. Uh, you know, there was the one I didn't mention was the Strasbourg basik this game. Uh but you on Wednesday you you have uh Neptunus hosting Ostend Uh both of those teams four and five uh Prometheus at 6 and 3 hosting Medi Bayreuth. so that's going to be uh, another big one and um, yeah so another one to watch out you know the team that uh t- the under the <laughs> flying under the radar uh UK Bracia, uh playing at home against um, uh against uh, Nizhny Novgorod and uh, you look at banvid if 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 they if they can't hold on and get that victory over over Venschbiz, uh you could see novo uh, uh Nizli, Nizli novgorod actually uh, overtake them in the in the standings uh both of those teams being 5 and 4 so a uh, big game there that if disney novgorod could grab a a road victory but obviously Mercia is going to be a, a a tough a tough battle uh anything else you got your eye on
0: yeah, actually the game I'm most excited for on Wednesday is over in Group C with Hapoel Jerusalem. They're 7 and 2 facing Telenet Giants Antwerp. When we had uh Paris Lee the point guard for Antwerp on the podcast a couple weeks ago, we talked to him about that game and uh the, yeah, like the intensity in that game is going to be crazy. Uh Jerusalem out for a little bit of revenge after they were upset in Belgium. Uh earlier in the season. So that one's going to be great. It's going to be a really good game day overall. A lot of great matchups. So definitely check out all of these games on livebasketball.tv. Dave and I will be back next week uh, to talk about some of the biggest transactions that have happened in the BCL. There have been a lot of big names, uh, either leaving teams or joining teams. Uh, Jordan Theodore, the MVP of the first BCL season, is back. He's with defending champions Ike Athens now. He won't be playing in the Bomberg game, but he'll join the team soon after that and there's been a lot of other moves as well that we'll definitely need to cover so that's going to do it for this week's podcast thanks again to our guest Deacon Lloyd-Smith for Dave Hine out in Germany my name is Austin Green and this has been BCL Coast to Coast